napkins stole a really good name. Oh. Like, if you think about it, napkins could be the name of a group of animal friends that follow you around and take naps with you. Where you know, na- that's the- true. Yeah, it could have a little theme like, we're the napkins, and we like sleeping too, you know, or whatever. <laughs> And it's right. Like, and why are they even called napkins? They have nothing to do with taking a nap, and they're not like and your your kin. They're not your friend, you know. I am John, Wookie impersonator and a Ladrin warlock with the Warriors of the Stars. Along came Jason, my bearded friend. Fabulous secret ideas revealed to me the day he came to my house and said, I want to make a podcast! Only two others share this secret. I have Chris Visions. I like walks on the beach, sunsets, poodles. What's up, everybody? Morphin' time. Hi, I'm Rick Remender. Rob, the artist. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Hey, I'm Mr. Priscilla. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano. Robbie Amell! What's up, guys? Today I have special guest, Mike Selinker. You do indeed. We're working on Black Science. Bob McLeod, creator of the New Mutants. I've been working for Marvel and DC Comics for the last 40 years. Brian Herbert! About a year ago, I've got a, a Twitter site. I couldn't get my own name. Somebody took my name. <laughs> and we have special guest, Gus Lopez. Oh, hey, guys. I'm thrilled to be on. Robin Hobb is here! Working on a trilogy called The Fits and the Fool. Libio Raimondelli. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm a big Transformers fan, G1 fan myself. Together we started talking about toys, comics, games, and movies on the Super Awesome Geek Show! We're so funny. I don't know. We could be. So yeah, so I saw Solo again. When I was out and about, I just, I was passing by the big theater and went, huh, I wonder when it starts. I could go see it again. You're like, why not? And sure enough, it started in like three minutes. So I was like, all right, I'll go see it again. And holy cow, the theater's huge. This this one theater is absolutely gigantic. It's just unbelievable how big it is. I mean, I think it must fit like a thousand people. It's just huge. I, I I need to go again. I just needed to find time to go again. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. So now now that uh, I'm a uh, summer's here, I can go whenever. So yeah. Yeah, not having a job kind of helps with that time thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, hopefully this Lego thing works out and I'll be working for Lego. That will be amazing. Yeah. Merchandising their stuff and building sets and putting them on display in places would be really cool. I can't believe there's actually a job. I mean, it makes sense. Someone has to build those Lego sets and put them in the glass windows. And someone's got to go to Toy Fair and do the stuff for the product and everything. So, Or like the ones, the sets you see already built behind the glass and set yes, up in a yeah. little scene. I like that. I like those. Exactly. You know, it's like, well, I'm like, I just, I would just like to buy them this way. Thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they were so building. Just, they were building a bunch at the 
store today, which I thought was pretty interesting. They had carts around and they were building different sets. And, uh, the one guy was like, we don't have bag number 11. <laughs> so I think someone walked away with one of the bags while they were building this one big race car thing. He's like, we're kind of stuck. <laughs> it's funny. Um, so are we going to take apart solo? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So yeah. Um, what'd you think of the film? At first, I thought, honestly, I thought, okay, like, I was excited for it to start. I clapped. Apparently, I was the only one clapping when it started. Felt like a weirdo. That's all right. Um, <laughs> I found it starting slow, but I knew it had to start somewhere, you know. And, I've, you know, my mind automatically goes, because I didn't watch too many trailers. I watched, like, two and I didn't invest in the time like I did with Rogue One to find out who was who. Um, and so I went in and I, I automatically knew who Solo was. But I didn't know how he got his name, which was interesting. And then <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, who's this chick? Okay, this is going to be the chick, right? And, you know, and just the whole thing. And I was like, okay. And then they go, eh. And three years later, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, <laughs> but I like how he met, how he met Chewbacca. That was amazing. <laughs> he got thrown in a pit and he talked his way out of beaten, being eaten by a Wookiee. <laughs> right. I was like, you know, after I found about it for a while, I was like, how... That is classic Han Solo right there, talking his way out of anything. He talked his way out of being eaten. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, all right, Han. You know, but I love how they put classic Han in his younger version of his self. I like how, even though he doesn't really look like Han... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I found weird. But, he, he did he did a, a great job at being. But did classic. you for, did you forget about that? Because by well, the I, by the end of the movie, I forgot that it was a different yes. actor playing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like he did yeah. such a good job yes. that by that's the end of the by yeah by the end of the film, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot it was Alden. You know what I mean? It's like I right. I guess I fully accepted that. This was Han Solo. You know what I mean? Yes. And the guy who played, um, oh, I'm going to have a brain fart. Donald Glover, Lando. Yeah. Yeah. Donald Glover. That's what I meant to say. Who played Lando. I, I just knew Lando right then and there. Yeah. Like, wasn't it weird that he almost sounded like Billy Dee yes. Williams at the beginning? Yes. He did amazing. Yeah. I thought he did amazing. And I did not see, it was so funny when, Hair, uh, hair, Willie Harrison, right? Woody, he, Woody, uh, Woody. Why did I say Willie? I don't know. <laughs> when he, when he left, that scene when he left, I thought this is not gonna be the end of him, and then he came back. You know what I? Mean? <laughs> you know, like oh, at that the end whole, of the movie, yeah. Yes, the whole switchy, switchy, switchy. Like I pulled one over on you, and you pulled one over on me, but I really pulled one over on you. That was just not. They thought that they did that fantastic. They kept you guessing right there. 
Yeah. I thought that was done fantastic. I did not see, well, when, when, uh, Kira, you know, kissed Han goodbye, I, I think I knew, I thought that she would just die. Honestly, uh, I thought somehow she would die. Like the ship would blow up or something. Yeah. Before she called Maul. Um, and then when she just took off, I was like, well, damn. Yeah, and but what's I, funny is it hinted at something more. That's yes. that's what I really liked about it. Because she, I think she wanted to go with Han. But she had said it, I think earlier in the film, she had said something like, what I want is no longer, you know what I mean? Like, we all serve somebody. And what I want doesn't matter anymore because there's more at work here than you know about, you know? And I think that like more, even more so than Dryden Voss, I, I don't know what the connection was, but I think that she couldn't just leave if she was alive, you know, and especially with her killing Dryden, she couldn't just leave because then she would be blamed for his death or, or like involved in it in some way, you know? And she knew, I think she knows that Maul would come after her or something. And so I think this was kind of her way of getting out of that, you know, getting out from under Dryden Voss, taking control of the organization herself. And then she really wasn't serving, you know, she'd still be serving Maul, but she was the now the, the one in command of the whole thing, you know? So, but yet... Maul doesn't really know that Han Solo and Chewie were the ones that screwed everything up for him because she didn't tell him about Han and Chewie, you know? So I think in her mind, it was like she's saving Han and Chewie by doing this also. Right. And let's see. Okay. Am I dumb to wonder if she becomes one of the seventh sisters? No, I don't think... I don't, I don't know. Think, like, I don't think that's a dumb stretch, but I don't think that's even. I don't think that's possible either. Because right, um, she's. I didn't. I didn't treat her as anything force sensitive. Who would? I think most of the. I think most of the brothers and sisters in the Inquisitor line are um, fallen Jedi that they've managed to turn to the dark side. So. Okay. And I don't think she was a previous Jedi. I think they've already come out and said it, it might have been in the, some of the comic books where they've come out and said that all of the Inquisitors, this whole sisters and brothers line of Inquisitors, were all fallen Jedi that they've found and managed to convert. It's kind of like join us or die, and they join them, you know, and so they become Inquisitors. And yeah, um, I just want to know what like. Okay, I want to know what training she has. You know, obviously she apparently has some training. I want to see that. And I want to see um I want to see where she's going to go next. So the I mean, this movie definitely left a lot to be done later. Yeah, it was uh what the heck was that stuff the fighting the fighting style that she uses uh let me yeah, it's and then the um the ones that came and got what is that stuff called the stuff that they were ah, my brain is just not there today um the stuff that they fought for the hyperspace they, fuel right yeah the the hyperspace fuel 
and those that were taking it to the rebellion, you know, it's like, well, Han just helped the rebellion. There you go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, without knowing what it's about. But I liked the those fighters. But I want to know who is that chick? Am I like missing something, <laughs> or did I go, huh? Yeah. The, well, let's go back to the fighting style real quick. It was Terrace. Okay. It was Terrace Cassie. Was okay. um what she learned from Dryden Voss. And actually that's a throwback to an old video game. And there was a, it's a fighting style that was used in a video game for the PlayStation one. I think it was. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where that came from. It's an ancient form of martial arts used in the star Wars galaxy. So it was kind of neat that they, that they threw that in there. You know, they like a lot of things have references, like what you're bringing up right there. You were, um, talking about her and the band Emphis Nest and the band of marauders that she's that she's running, and uh, yeah, when she took that helmet off, it was almost like someone in the crowd was supposed to know who she is, right? And uh, or the characters in the movie were supposed to know who she is, but they never actually said it in the film, and. As far as I'm aware, I haven't seen anyone on any YouTube channels or on any of the podcasting networks or anything who've been able to pull it apart and figure out who she is based on what she says. She talks about, you know, the, 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 uh, what is it? Crimson Dawn, sorry. Mm-hmm. The, the crime syndicate, Crimson Dawn, coming to a planet, ripping out everybody's tongues, and, you know, basically causing havoc. And, and I think that was the planet they were on. All the people around them couldn't speak, which is why the one person drew the symbol for Crimson Dawn on the plate there, on the metal plate, instead of saying it out loud because she couldn't talk. But the Marauders were, were from many different worlds that had been threatened either by the Empire or one of the crime syndicates that were, like she said had strong ties to working with the empire to build up wealth and things like that. And so, you know, a lot of, I think what it was is the empire must, she was must have hinting at the empire hiring out some of these criminal organizations to do their dirty work for them mm-hmm. or set the stage for when the empire invades and takes over that area, you know? So it's kind of like they're in cahoots, you know? And uh, then she says that her mother wore the mask, and when she took the mask off or was killed or something like that, then the daughter just picked up where her mother left off and took the place and became Emphis Nest. But what's what's interesting is, is I was like, are we supposed to know who the daughter is? Or the, right. mother, the mother was? Are we supposed to know who the mother was? Because... I don't, you know, and right. I can't find anyone who's figured out who she is or anything about her. So it's kind of like, I feel like there's a thread we were all supposed to pick up on and somehow we all missed it. And I still can't figure it out either, you know, Um, but yeah, a lot of like, the other one. Oh, sorry. Go on. Like you're the one that I've talked most in depth to. Like I haven't been on. Twitter much to read anybody's thoughts because half of Twitter is being all political right now. And I'm like, Ugh. but <laughs> no, I, I mean, seriously, because 
usually like okay when last jedi came out ever like when force awakens came out rogue one and last jedi everybody had an opinion on something and i feel like i haven't had anybody be like what happened in solo what did you think about this part what did you think about that part until like right this minute where we're discussing it so it's like Okay, where is everybody? Did not everybody like Solo? I mean, I did. Like, it took a minute to get into it. And then when it got in, you were just like, wow, okay, yes. Because it wasn't, you know, your typical Star Wars film. It is a Star Wars story, like it says. Um, And it's about Han Solo. The character everybody loved, you know, in all the movies played by Harrison Ford, you know. And... We lose him in The Force Awakens. Now, this better not be a spoiler for anybody. Come on now. Um, (laughs) um, We lose him in The Force Awakens. And it's like, hello, we get Han Solo in his own film. You know, we get to see where he came from. And I believe there has to be a number two movie from this. I mean, there's so much content. Yeah, there's so much content to be had. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, see, what what I think is happening is there's the only ones who went to see this movie were like the real big Star Wars fans. I, mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't think the casual people went. And like I was talking to one of my friends back in Seattle who has a family of four. And this was kind of the problem. I think everybody would have gone if it had come out at a different time. And okay. But what happened is he took his family to go see Avengers because the kids wanted to see that. And his wife, his wife was more into that stuff, you know? And then they really want to go see Jurassic world, the new one, the fallen kingdom. So, but when he went to see Avengers with the family, by the time he walked out, it was almost a hundred dollars because they went in an evening. Oh, that's true. And they went on an evening. It was like $12 a ticket. To get everybody in, you know, mm-hmm. and so he's like, right there was like fifty bucks, you know, and then to get the family of four in the 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 thing, and then the kids wanted popcorn, you know, his wife wanted some popcorn, so they bought two tubs of large popcorns, one for the you know basically you one popcorn's not going to do a family of four. He's like, be realistic when you get when you go there. A large popcorns for two people you know it's it's not enough for everybody so they bought two and then he got four drinks two smalls for the kids and two larges for them too and he's like and then that was like forty dollars <laughs> you know so he's like he basically spent somewhere between 90 and 100 dollars for four people to go to the movie theater you know and i laughed because i was like that's enough for one person to go to disney for the whole day you know <laughs> Yeah, um, it's it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, how do I put this? Um, you have to pick which one you want to see most, and that's hard because yeah. you had, like you said, Avengers came out, and then there was a little bit, that was in April, and you had a lull a little bit, almost a month, but then you had all these movies coming out, cha-cha, 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 you well, know. Deadpool and, came out only it was like Avengers two weeks off, then Deadpool two weeks off, then Solo. You're right. Right. And, and you had it. It's like, okay. But 
I mean, Star. I think that you were right. The big Star Wars fans went to see Solo. What I was shocked at, now, there was people in my theater with Star Wars shirts on, yeah. stuff like that. And um, um, I clapped and I was all, yeah, at the yeah. end. Nobody did well, that- and I was like, come on, you know, the, like the first time I saw it was at the fan event. And yes. at that one, everyone's a Star Wars fan and everybody was, you know, they clapped when it started. They clapped at the end. There was a couple moments where they went, oh, in the, you know, but yeah, it wasn't that as vocal as other other movies, you know, my, you know, I loved there was some amazing there was some amazing parts, like the whole thing with Chewbacca, the whole the whole back and forth between Han and Chewbacca. I loved that. That was hilarious. Now that whole what is it that I want to call it the train scene? Yeah, um, that just had me like on the edge of my seat. That was just duh. That was scary, <laughs> man. I don't know what you thought of it. Like I was like, who's gonna die? Who's gonna die? You know? Yeah. Like, well, well, what amazed me about that scene was. It actually made me start thinking, what? And I'm going to get to the sequel thing in a minute, but mm-hmm. what, what about the trains? I was thinking to myself, okay, th- this is all exciting and everything, but they're going to get away. And then suddenly we saw Rio get killed. And then Val really surprised me that she got killed. And what it actually, what it made me think, like, you know, because here's the deal. So then. It apparently it it appeared as though Val and and Woody Harrelson Beckett were uh, a relate in a relationship, you know, and he cried out when she blew up, but then he just kind of like puts up some rocks and her stuff on a little peg and buries Rio and punches Han, and then they discuss things, and then they walk away, and he Beckett seems totally fine all of a sudden. Right. So it's kind of like. It made it appear as though this is a hard life, and this has happened to Beckett many, many times. So what I'm wondering is, like, is this supposed to tell us that just about every single job that they've ever done, someone on the crew has been killed? So Beckett Mm. is so used to losing people that even when he loses someone he loves and is intimate with, like, like Val that it, he can brush it off relatively quickly, you know? Right. And it, and it just kind of opens up this door of like, wow, is this that, like, is the universe really that harsh that every job you do in the criminal underworld, someone on the team dies, you know? Like, you know, it's almost like Beckett expected one or more of them to die. You know, because it just, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you get, did you get that impression or is this like. No, I did. It was like, a, hey, we lose people. That's what happens. And um, that's how things go. And yeah. that's how I kind of felt. And it was like, which is sad realization. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, it, it was. This is a it, tough world. <laughs> yeah, and it's like everybody is kind of like when we came upon Ray in The Force Awakens. I'm going to just use that a little bit. Where she had to scavenge. No, nobody was dying, but she had to scavenge 
for, you know, for food. Yeah. These people are doing it for their livelihood so they can survive. But the missions that are going on, they'll die. And they're doing them for these people who couldn't care less if they die. Yeah. You know, but don't do the job right. They're going to kill you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I was just like, dang. And like everybody says, this was a Western type. Like, yeah, yeah. Cowboy type. And it was so funny. The time I saw that was when um, they were all lined up there in the sand. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Han had his hand on his gun. <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious. It's all like Dirty Harry or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was good. And it was funny because I was sitting there for a few minutes after the credits. I'm like, what am I sitting? Because I had seen Avengers, you know, like a few weeks before. I'm like, what the heck am I sitting here for? There's nothing at the end. You know what yeah. I mean? It's and- funny because we all want something at the end of a Star Wars movie, but there isn't. It's like only Marvel does that, really. Right, and and this lady, she well, has the same Star Wars and- shirt as me on. She she walked past me. And she goes, "Wait, there's nothing at the end, right?" And I'm like, "No." I said, "That's only Marvel," and she goes, "Right?" <laughs> you know, so it was like that was like the best engaging conversation I had after the movie. I was like, "All right," you know. I kind of wish there was, though, something to sort of, like, tempt you with the next film, but they don't do it. They always put something like that at the end of the film, like, you know, the Vader scene in in, uh, Rogue One, or or this one had the Maul stuff, you know, when Darth Maul shows up. It kind of blows your mind when Darth Maul shows up, you know? Right. Like, my cousin texted me and went, what the heck? And that's (laughs) when I was asking you, I'm like, okay. I know you know the episodes of me to tell my cousin where to watch about mall. So like I transferred those over. He was like, okay, cool. Thanks. You know, because if people don't watch, you know, Clone Wars or Rebels or things like that, they miss pieces. They're like, wait, what happened here? You know, and I know there's some people that get a little pissed off that you, if you haven't seen those, you don't understand who this is or who that is or where that came from. And I mean, I can understand that because a lot of people want um, their information and the line to come from the movies only. And there's a bunch of people out there like that, but I'm like, well, but people wanted, okay, what happened to this character is a backstory that hence comes the clone wars and rebels and the books. And, you know, it's like, You know, and that's possibly why they're doing these Star Wars story movies, because people want more. They want to know, how did this happen? How did that happen? Who's that? Where did they come from? What's their story? You know, and I I think, I think as much as I loved the Han Solo movie, I thought it was great. I can't wait for the second one. Um, I think I loved Rogue One more. Oh yeah, me too. I love Solo a lot. I mean, I liked it a lot. I'm just saying if I had to place them in a, which one I liked better, I guess now that I've, after I saw it, it was just like, that was good. That was good. I liked it just as much as rogue one. But now that I've had time to digest, it's like rogue one is just a hair bit above solo. Not because it was badly done. I think it was because rogue one fit in my mind, into that slot here, they passed it off to Leia. This is what it went through for Leia to get those plans. This is where we see at the beginning of episode four, you know, whereas Han, we're going to need two movies to see where he gets to, to where he starts meeting Jabba and everybody else. Yeah. So, 
Well, well, here's my thing, though. So let's go into the sequel theory. Okay. So they've already announced that there's a Boba Fett film. Yes. And they've already announced that that Boba Fett film will have a connection to the solo film. Well, I think what the way that they actually put it, I think it was on StarWars.com in their little article when they announced the Boba Fett film. And what they said was it'll continue the story where Solo left off with into the seedy underground, the criminal mm. organizations of of uh, Solo, you know. So I think what they're doing here. So let's see. So the actors that played Han Solo, Kira, Chewbacca and Darth Maul, Ray Park and Sam Witwer were Darth Maul. Sam did the voice, and Ray brought Barry Park was the the body again. So um, that was a great collaboration, by the way, because Ray Park is Darth Maul, and yet Sam Witwer is Darth Maul. So having them work together, where Sam was the voice and Ray Park was the body, was just ah, oh, it's probably like a fanboy's dream, you know? <laughs> right, and yeah. I, I've. Sam Witwer in other shows so it's like you know I know his voice you know I've seen him well he was Darth Maul in Rebels and in Clone Wars yes yes but you know like I've actually watched him act so you just go you know like (laughs) yeah so you know he can even he can even be a a live actor not just a voice actor but they I think they wanted to bring Ray Park back for a number of reasons and so here's here's the thing so those guys were all signed on to do three films three movies so i don't think there's a direct sequel to han solo i don't think we're going to see han solo 2 you know what it is is they're going to be in the boba fett movie and this is Uh a criminal this isn't they said continuing boba fett will continue in the vein of the criminal underworld so i think what they're doing is they're doing an underworld trilogy and each one is its own movie but there's connections tying them together. So I think what's going to happen is this is the next thing we're going to see is how Han and Chewie meet Jabba the Hutt and end up working for Jabba on more than one job, which will lead them to what he says in Star Wars because he's hanging out in the Mos Eisley Cantina looking right. for something real easy to do to make the money to pay back Jabba because he ju- he dumped... He dumped the last cargo shipment he was doing for Jabba because he was going to get boarded by Imperials. Well, I don't think that's the job that Han mentioned at the end of Solo because that would mean that he dropped the cargo nine years ago and Jabba's finally coming around to trying to collect his money. It doesn't work that way. So I think that what we saw in A New Hope in Episode 4 in Star Wars A New Hope was that that job that Han was talking about where he was like, look, Jabba, I'll make, I got a little job going on here. I'll make a little money. I'll pay you triple, you know, or whatever. And, and he's like, you know, 15 Jabba, don't push it. You know, I think that whole thing had me, what they're referring to with the, is the job that he did right before, you know, meeting Ben and Luke and taking the droids to Alderaan. So, cause Jabba wouldn't wait nine years for his money. You know, and and Han wouldn't go back to Tatooine knowing there's a price on his head for the last nine years. You know, he wouldn't be sitting in a cantina just waiting for Greedo to show up if if uh, if he knew there was a price on his head from nine years ago. You know, so 
I think what we're going to see is we're going to see the Boba Fett film open up on Boba Fett. It's going to centralize around that character, just like Solo centralized around Solo. But Solo was interweaving a whole bunch of threads that were that are really still loose. They're loose ends, you know, and it's foreshadowing another film where we're going to see some of these characters pop back up. So I think it's going to start us out with Boba Fett. We're going to be following Boba Fett as the character throughout the movie. But when Jabba's putting this team together, he goes to Boba Fett to put, to start this job that he's, he's this crew that he's putting together. Okay. And, We've already seen, like, from what they dropped, they name dropped a few things in uh, in Solo, where they, where they where when Val was talking to Beckett about, well, if we need more help, why not hire a professional like Bosk or the Zan sisters, you know? Right. And Bosk, we know, is a bounty hunter that it was in Empire Strikes Back. He was in the Clone Wars in a couple episodes. He was in Rebels, yeah. I think, in at least one in Rebels. So Boss gets around. And so I think by name dropping him, you kind of get the idea that bounty hunters don't always work just as a bounty hunter exclusively. <clears throat> yeah, and we me. know where but we know where Boba Fett came from after watching episodes one, two, and three. Yeah. So it, and it there was will... a little bit of him in the Clone Wars, building up yes. to becoming the guy we see in the armor. But I think we're going to get even more between the Clone Wars. And when Boba is actually what we see in Empire Strikes Back and beyond in this next movie, we're kind of going to see him as a character and then donning the helmet and putting on the armor and becoming this greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy, you know? Yeah, but, and I, uh, was I was talking with someone and saying, you know, for all the Star Wars films, uh, episodes four, five, and six. Uh, no, he wasn't in six. Sorry. Right. What, Boba Fett? Sorry, I'm just like, I'm sitting here going, wait, where was it? But anyway, it, you know, like, for being a character that was limited, do you yeah, know what I mean? He's yeah. a bounty hunter. His lines were limited. His scene, screen time was limited. You know, it's all counted up. Like, for having someone having so little screen time, so little lines, he was people's favorite character. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, amazing his popularity. You have Luke, Leia, and Han in, you know, all the movies, and they're the forefront, and all the droids, and Obi-Wan, and everybody, and everybody's like, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and you're just, you know, when you actually it's, sit down and look at it, his appearance and lines, you're just like, wait, what now? It's you the know? mystery. It's the mystery exactly. of the character, you know? Exactly. And the, the armor just looks so cool. That's the thing. Exactly. But here's what I was getting at. So so I think we're going to follow Boba Fett and learn more, a lot more about his history between the Clone Wars and what happened in, uh, in um, Empire Strikes Back when we, when we first bump into him on the film, on screen. And then what happens is... Chewie and Lando are going to show up, or Chewie, Han and Chewie, sorry, Han and Chewie are going to show up. They're going to join Boba Fett's crew, and this is going to be the cool thing. Han and Boba Fett are going to be working on the same team for Jabba the Hutt, and maybe we'll get to see why, but, well, I'll, well, I'll go right back to my next thought, but maybe we'll see why um, Han and Boba Fett have this sort of tenuous relationship, you know, because Han clearly knows him when... They're on the sail barge, and he's like, Boba Fett? What Boba Fett? And he, like, 
turns around and accidentally hits his jetpack and Boba Fett gets eaten and killed, you know? <laughs> but it's like, and then I, I thought also maybe we'll get to see why when, when the Empire, because I have a feeling here's what I think is going to go on. I think there's going to be a bit of a double cross in the Boba Fett film. And this is a possibility, but I mean, it'd be kind of neat to see this. So I, I kind of think that Boba Fett might work for the Empire more often than you think. And since they've already established in this that Crimson Dawn sometimes does jobs for the Empire to instigate mm-hmm. a situation on a planet, you know, and you could even imagine, like, he's doing... Because the Emperor is Darth Sidious, is Palpatine. Yes. He did a thing when he was taking down the Republic by creating the Separatists and creating this civil war so that people who are in general, the people who don't know what's going on, the general population could get behind the Republic having an army and taking out this Separatist faction. But when in reality, the leader of the government was the one who instigated the whole problem in the first place. So why wouldn't Palpatine, as the Emperor, do the same thing? He's going to hire the criminal organization to terrorize a planet, and then the Empire will come in and get rid of that criminal organization and therefore save the population of that planet, but then take over and become its ruler. That's so, nuts. yeah, so here's what I think could happen. Like, so Boba Fett has worked in the criminal underworld for the Empire before. He's worked for Darth Vader. And so this job for Jabba the Hutt is going to be something that Jabba's doing for Darth Maul. And that's where we'll get the Darth Maul connection to come back into this this, this little criminal underworld thing. And then we're going to see uh, Boba Fett working for Darth Vader on the side and maybe in something related to the same job that they're putting the crew together for, which Han and Chewie will join that crew, work with Boba Fett. Maybe we'll see Bosk on screen again, which would be really cool. And then some other characters. It'll probably be totally new ones, but I wouldn't doubt to see Bosk because they name dropped him. Uh, everyone thinks he's a really cool-looking character. I mean, being a reptilian guy, I mean, oh, he could look really cool on the screen coming back. And and then we'd have a whole bunch of new characters that we're introduced to. Maybe we'll get one from the Clone Wars, like actually on screen. Like, I'm hoping we get to see Hondo Anaka. I think seeing Hondo would be awesome. And Hondo's a good guess because they Disney knows that they have a... Uh, a fan favorite in Hondo. They've uh-huh. put him in... Hondo has been in the Clone Wars. That's where he was introduced. He was actually in Rebels a number of times. And now he's been in the Star Wars Destiny cartoon. So Hondo just keeps popping up in every new iteration of Star Wars that they do. So somewhere down the road, we're going to see Hondo on the big screen. And I think this Criminal Underworld trilogy is a perfect place for Hondo to fit in at some point, And maybe it is during the Boba Fett movie. But I think what'll be really cool is what if one of the people either on the crew or someone that's in with whatever the crew is going after also has a bounty on their head for the empire. And that's the person that Boba Fett is going to snatch and grab during the job 
after the job is done, for whatever items or money or hyperspace fuel, whatever the job is going for to do for Maul, Boba Fett has a secondary mission to get somebody for a bounty that the Empire wants. And he disintegrates that person and brings the disintegrated remains to Darth Vader. And that's why Darth Vader in Empire Strikes Back says no disintegrations. Right. <laughs> and then I think that a very good pick, a very good... Now, right now, there's no official announcement. But there's enough evidence floating around that there's going to be a Kenobi film. And okay. one of the one of there's two really big things. One of the really big ones is, and I think the Kenobi film could work as the third uh, underground like criminal organization, even though at first glance it might not make any sense because we all know Kenobi's on Tatooine. He's guarding, yeah. you know, uh, he's protecting Luke, watching over him. What would take him to get away from that? What would make him leave Tatooine and get out there? And I kind of think the answer is Darth Maul. And part of what I think is going on here oh, is true. the evidence we have is that now I knew that they were doing something with Ray Park and that, which meant Darth Maul because at the solo premiere, when they were doing the red carpet, both Ewan McGregor and Ray Park showed up to the premiere for solo and at first, because no one expected Darth Maul to be in Solo, but my first thought was either both of them, Ewan and Ray Park, are in Solo for like a quick glance. They walk through the background or something happens at different times, of course, not together. Uh -huh. Or I said they're doing a Kenobi movie and, Dar and Ray Park is in the Kenobi movie. Right. And I think it's going to turn out to be a little bit of both. Ray Park was actually in Solo, of course, as Darth Maul, but Ewan McGregor was not in Solo. And I think that what they're doing is they had a meeting with Ewan McGregor. They sat down with him and said, hey, would you like to reprise the role? We're going to do something interesting coming down the road, and we're going to start it out with Solo. And, and you know, sow the seeds for this thing in Solo. Oh, and, yeah. and Ewan McGregor, of course, said yes, because he's been talking online on Twitter and various other social media things about how he'd love to come back and do reprise the role and be, be Obi-Wan Kenobi again. And, uh, and then they said, well, while you're here visiting us, since you said yes, why don't you just come to the solo premiere? Here's a ticket. We'll see you there. And then they sat down with Ray Park and had a similar discussion, except Ray Park's discussion, as we now know, you know, because after seeing Solo... His included, not only are you going to do a Kenobi film and, you know, Maul is going to meet Kenobi again, but you're going to um, want to do the Solo one and the Boba Fett film, and we're going to sow the seeds for what's going to happen in the Kenobi movie. Right. And, uh, and sort of just, you'll have a little bit more in each film. The first one is basically like a cameo. You're just going to have a few lines. And then the next movie, Boba Fett, you might have a little bit more to do but you're not going to have a whole lot until you get, you know, to the Kenobi movie, which is going to be your your heyday. You know, that's going to be your film in a sense. And I think what's going to happen is, you know, and then, and then the, you know, Ray Park, of course, said yes. And then they got Sam Witwer to do the voice. And uh, they said, well, here you go. Here's some tickets. Why don't you come to the solo premiere, especially because you're in it. So that's why Ray Park was there. And so, and then the other evidence we have is that, 
at one of the conventions lately, Ray Park was there and people were signing and he got talking to a bunch of the people that were that were getting their stuff autographed. And one of them said, I really want a Kenobi movie. I think this would be really cool. You know, I think, you know, you would be in it because you're Darth Maul. What do you think, especially after seeing Solo, you know? And he's like, what do you think the chances are? And he just said, I really think there's a good a good chance you'll see a Kenobi movie. And he went, I really think it. You know what I mean? Like, So he didn't exactly say, yes, there is a Kenobi movie. But he did say there's a really good chance. And he, ex- he emphasized really good chance. You know, like, so he, I think he was trying to drop a hint. And at any day now, they're going to announce it. And we're going to know that the third movie in the group is going to be Kenobi. And I think how it fits in is if you were Obi-Wan Kenobi and you're sitting on Tatooine, you have an ear to all of the criminal workings, being that close to Jabba the Hutt and most Eisley in this seedy underbelly. And we all know, based on the line, when Kenobi tells Luke, like, we're going to Mos Eisley. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And when they go into the cantina, he's like, be careful in here, you know. And it appears as though Obi-Wan Kenobi has gone into this area before. He's been to Mos Eisley. He's been to that cantina. Yeah. He's been through all this before. And he's not afraid to show his lightsaber and take somebody down, and be, he's not worried that someone's going to go around and go, oh my gosh, there's a Jedi still alive, because he whipped his lightsaber out at the first minor threat and cut the guy's arm off in in new, in in, in Star Wars A New Hope, you know? Cut right. off Walrus Man's arm. So it's not like he's really trying to hide the fact that he's a Jedi. So there's no reason to think that even seven, eight, nine years ago before the events of A New Hope that um, there's no reason to think he was any more hiding than he is now, you know. So I think what's going to happen is he's going to get wind through the criminal underworld that, you know, existing on Tatooine where he is, you know, he must go to town or something because he's been there before. And I think one day he hears that Darth Maul is in charge of one of these criminal organizations. And he hears about what Darth Maul is doing in that he's helping, you know, bring the Empire to new worlds and helping them take over by creating this impossible criminal organization situation where the public starts wanting help and they turn to the Empire. And then the Empire gets rid of the criminal organization that's been bothering them, but at the same time takes over their world, you know? So I think that Obi-Wan can't sit back if he knows Darth Maul's out there and this is this whole thing is going on. So he ends up leaving and seeking out Darth Maul. And they have some kind of a confrontation. And I think it could be epic. It could be really cool. But, yeah, I agree. But what's going to happen, you know, and he's going to shut down. I think by the end of it, he's going to shut down uh, Maul's organization at least. So that criminal syndicate organization, I think will be gone and Maul and, and Kenobi will eradicate that. However, Darth Maul will escape. I think something will happen during the battle. Darth Maul will escape. And the reason I say that is because, you know, we know what happened in twin sons, the episode of rebels 
where Darth Maul finally meets his fate at the hands of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we know from those arcs where Maul showed up in Rebels that he did not know that Kenobi was on Tatooine. So I don't think this will take place on Tatooine. I think Kenobi will find out about Maul living on Tatooine, but he'll leave the planet, maybe go to Dathomir, and that's where he'll encounter Maul or something. But and we may even find out why Maul is stuck on Malachor, because when we, find, when we find him showing up in Rebels, he's on Malachor after having a confrontation with one of the... Uh, one of the Inquisitors. And that's the weird thing, because in Solo, Maul has the Inquisitor's lightsaber that he stole from the Inquisitor after defeating him. Uh-huh. So, which is the one he was using in Rebels. So now it means that Maul encountered... And, and I, had, I had assumed that he encountered that Inquisitor only right before the conversation they had about it in Rebels. Right. But, now it makes it look like, wow, he encountered that Inquisitor ten years before the events, well, six, seven years before the events of Rebels. So it's kind of like he did that a long time ago. But we still don't know what left him trapped on Malachor, where where they found him in Rebels. So uh-huh. I kind of think, like, we might, fi- we might find that gap. Maybe the Kenobi movie will even take place on Dathomir, he's leaving Dathomir, maybe it ends up going to Malachor, and Obi-Wan's the one who kind of exiles him on Malachor, who knows, you know? Right. But for whatever reason, Obi-Wan is going to get out of the situation with Maul, but Maul's going to be left alive, and maybe he thinks he's he's trapped on Malachor, and Kenobi just kind of leaves it at that, thinking that he's gotten rid of him. Yeah, because it'll be interesting to see them meet again when, no, yeah, it'll just be interesting. Yeah, because there's a real history there, and Maul has a, by the time you get into Rebels and see that stuff, Maul really has it in for Kenobi, more than just what we've seen in in the original. Oh yeah, just cut him in half, man. Well, not even just that, I think there's more to it, because we know like Kenobi's relationship with the Mandalorians because of some... Uh, well, what was her name? The the lady who was in charge of the Mandalorians there. Uh, Any, uh, I keep wanting to say Sabine, but that's the girl from Rebels. Right. Um, my brain's not there. Yeah, my brain's fried on her name. But anyways, I think everyone listening knows who she is. But and they're going to be shouting her name right now. John, you fool! It's this thing, you know. But anyway, so like, like he was kind of you know, tertiarily involved with Maul leaving, like losing that group of Mandalorians that he had working with him in the Clone Wars cartoons, you know? So it's kind of like everywhere Maul goes, Kenobi's there to foil his plans. And this will be one more thing. If Maul, if, if Kenobi takes down Maul's criminal organization and then ends up being partially responsible for why he's, stranded on Malachor. <laughs> and it'd be awesome. He can just sit there and fester. Yes, yeah. It'll just add that more meaning well, to what happens in Twin Sons when we get to Rebels, that that, that episode called Twin Sons. Because well, he's it's, just so into... It's almost like, at that point, the last thing Maul wants to do is take care of Kenobi because he's been a thorn in his side the whole his whole life, you know? 
Well, and what I, I, I found that funny episode in Rebels, I was like, dude, he's nice. Why is he nice? Oh, wow. He's just insane. <laughs> like Manipulative. Right. It, it was funny because, you know, the Darth Maul we know in, you know, epi- you know, in the prequels is nasty, doesn't really speak much, you know, and then you get to rebels and he's first he's like i'm nice i've turned over my ways you know like and you're just like oh maybe i like darth maul now and then you're like wow he's a little bit insane you know <laughs> what i mean like it's just fun like if anybody out there listening hasn't seen those those are some pretty fun episodes yeah at least yeah. i thought they were fun <laughs> yeah speaking of the important episodes there's some in the Lighter half of season four, I think somewhere around 14, 15, 16, it might be, I don't know. But I definitely know that season five, episodes 14, 15, 16, are the, are the real important ones where you get into the criminal organization and that whole backdrop for what happens in Solo is in those three episodes. Clone Wars season five, episode 14, 15, 16. You want to go back and watch those, you know, it's neat to see how all be like between rebels, between the stuff in solo where he's helping them with the fuel, you know, the thing with rogue one, you see all the, you know what I mean? It's neat to see all the inner workings of, cause they're scattered everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, that, that it, guy it, from rogue one was in solo. So emphasis nests group, the two tubes guy. Did mm-hmm. you catch did you catch that yourself? I, yeah, I did. Yeah, he was working with Saw Gerrera. Him and his twin brother were working with Saw Gerrera. So that's another connection where are we supposed to assume that Emphis Nest has something to do with Saw Gerrera's group? Right. Uh, you know, because two tubes ends up working with, you know, is working with Emphis Nest, who ends up working Two Tubes ends up working with Saw Gerrera. So there's a definite connection. And the look and feel of that group kind of fit with Saw Gerrera's band of rebels, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's why I was like, when I was watching it, I'm all, hmm. So but that's you know- why I was wondering, is Emphis Ness somehow connected to Saw Gerrera? Like, could yeah. Stila? we saw... So in Clone Wars, somewhere in the beginning of Season 5, I think it was the beginning of Season 5... We see Saw Gerrera and Stila, Saw's sister, and Kenobi, Anakin, and Ahsoka end up helping Saw Gerrera's group sort of start the rebellion on um, their on their planet, you know. And I, it's starting to make me wonder: like, are we supposed to think that Stila had a daughter? And that's who she is, and she became Emphis Nest. And that's why there's a connection to Saw Gerrera, because it's actually Saw Gerrera's, what would that be, her, his niece, right? Maybe. But It was just, it was no, funny how nothing... the camera just stopped, and you're just like, yeah, that's am I I'm... supposed to, yeah, you, and like you said, it's like, where are we supposed, and you know, it's like, are we supposed to know who he is? And it's like, there's this big pause, and I thought someone would go, oh, it's you. 
No. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, nobody said that. All right. Okay. Well, let's just take note of this mentally. Check. You know. But like to go in into like I want to go before we 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 close out. I wanted to go in a favorite scenes. I. You know how we said the train scene was the edge of your seat? I That whole, when Han takes over flying the Falcon with Chewie, and they're flying out of there, clouds, they can't see, they're trying to get past everything. I, I mean, I, you know, you know they get out, because obviously the movies, but you, there's this, like, slight glimmer of, he's not gonna make it, they're gonna <laughs> die, you know, and, I, you know, it's, I, I thought, because we know how things turn out, because this is a side story, but I commend Ron Howard and everybody behind that, that even though you know what's going to happen, they still make you feel like these people might die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought, I thought that was pretty like those scenes. And I love the joking scenes. I just, I love how the story was explained and the little jokes are explained and, you know, jokes you've heard the little one liners and the quippets. I love that those still remained. You know, like yeah. in all Star Wars movies, especially The Last Jedi, how, you know, Rey and everybody was with each other, how Leia and Luke were with each other. You know, the little quipper one-liners that always have been throughout the Star Wars movies have still remained. Yeah, Like, yeah. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but, you know, Han well, Solo's one-liners, you know, in all the movies, those remained in the Han Solo film and his personality. Like, everything has remained. Yeah. Is what I'm, like, that's some... Um, that's um, Well, uh, I think the thing is, is, I think the Star Wars humor has always been at the same level. And yes. in, even, even going in so far to say, like, The Last Jedi with the way that uh, Poe Dameron is he still fits that Star Wars universe level of hu humor and yes. uh, and so but so I think that humor has stayed the same but something has changed with the uh, like the death toll has definitely gone up yes like, Lucas really didn't kill anybody off except for bad guys Right. You know, and it's like he put our characters in peril, but it's not like every single movie we lost somebody or lost groups. But in Force Awakens, we lost people. In Last Jedi, we lost like everybody in the rebellion, you know, and it's like in Rogue One, all the main characters die. And then we have this one where we, we meet Val and Rio and 10 seconds later, they're dead. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, it's like, wow, this. Disney's, you know, you would think that Disney would soften it up, but in really, in reality, they've made it harder to exist in the Star Wars universe and really put this, like, for our main characters, the people we love in Star Wars Empire and Jedi, for them to have lived that long and to have done what they did, it's like, that was a real, like, oddball situation. Because in every other situation we've been seeing since Disney took over, people are losing their lives left and right. And it's so that means that this was an exceptional group of people that we're seeing through Star Wars Empire and Jedi. 
you know? Right. And for me, like I was talking to a friend, she finally saw the last Jedi, um, the other day, she's a Star Wars fan, but just life happened and she never got to see it. Yeah. Um, and she was uh, messaging me and she's like, girl, she goes, wow, I cried. And I was like, right. And she goes, it just makes you sit there and think, even though Leia got on the ship and escaped with him, we as fans know Carrie Fisher's gone and we know she will not be in the next movie. There's going to be something written about her about what happens to her but now we know what's left the originals that are left are basically gone kind yeah and i want to say chewbacca c-3po and r2 well lando's still in the universe we don't know if he's passed away or if he's still there right right exactly but i do think he's coming back because uh, Billy D. Williams has been working with a personal trainer, and we know that he's had meetings with Disney Lucasfilm. So yeah, and, uh, um, he looked pretty good when I saw him at the at that Fan Expo. Yeah. Um, so I, just... I think he's preparing for a role to come back. It, it could be small, but I think he's gonna. It just tugs at you, though. Like you see where we were and all these characters, but you've got to know that they're gonna age. They're gonna like the actors are gonna but. They're characters. It's like, it's not like book characters, you know, that stay forever on a page. These guys are forever in film, yes, but as the story cannot continue with them, a new generation has to come up, like we've said in previous talks. And it just, it leaves you wondering how spectacular is this next movie going to be? What are they going to do with it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm excited. I'm excited and nervous all at the same time. And I'm excited for what is to come because I feel like they did very well with solo and you've got to see characters like, like we've discussed in different aspects in different places. And it leaves so much open for so much more, you know, and I'm pretty sure there's going to come out majillion books and stories about, um, about these, you know, writers are going to take off, you know, their own side stories. Um, but I just like, I'm happy. I don't know. I'm just happy. I'm pleased with what is out, you know, like the toys and stuff. I don't think like it's, they're cool, but (laughs) you know, I just sit there and go, okay, you just got a ship from the solo movie. Awesome. You know what I mean? Like, They've been it's like real lacking. They've been having a problem with the toys. Like if you go yeah. back, if you go back to the era of when we were doing the Clone Wars cartoon, it's like that was the toy heyday for Star Wars because every single character that was on there was coming out. Even the original trilogy, you got like Walrus Man, Hammerhead, Greedo. Hammerhead was a character you saw in the background of the cantina that didn't even do anything and we got an action figure for him i'm not even sure if you saw snaggletooth and we got an an action figure for him so many different uh guards and and creatures that were in job of the hut's palace we got action figures for you know but it's like with these new movies we got an action figure of prune face who was just sitting in the room when they were talking about blowing up the death star so it's like you know nowadays we get the main characters, Han, Chewie, Lando, Kira, you know, but we don't get a whole lot of, you know, it's like they do two runs, like with, with Rogue One, they did like two waves of characters and then dropped it. 
Right. And I don't understand. And then whenever they make a new line, like we just got new figures coming out and they have another version of Snoke, another version of the Stormtrooper from Force Awakens. They have another version of uh, Kylo Ren, another version of Rey. And I'm like, you've got, I've got seven Rays now. I've got five Kylo Rens and they're all the same. Because right? he's never, he only has two outfits. So I'm like, how can you have like seven figures of Kylo Ren and only have two outfits? But yet I still don't have a figure of any of these side characters or background guys. Like I only got one Praetorian guard when there's four different ones. So it's like, why, why do we just have the one? I need, or I think there's two. But anyways, there should have been all four, you know, and they could have even made a four pack where all four were in one pack, you know. But it's just it doesn't make any sense to me why there isn't the we get the main characters and three or four side characters. But then we, we don't get the depth or the amount of stuff that we got from the older films and nowhere near what we got from the Clone Wars cartoon. Like almost every character in the Clone Wars cartoon got turned into a figure at some point. And I just don't see why they're not doing that again. They have so many characters they could make and they're just kind of dropping the ball on us, I think. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just made this character for this new movie and it's awesome. Uh, uh let's make let's revamp these people. It's just like, oh, stop. You yeah. know, like you just want to say, just leave, leave what is, is you made, you made the last Jedi characters. Now just make the Han characters, you know, leave the last Jedi characters alone, leave them as is. Don't try to recreate. It's like, Oh, we haven't made Luke in his underwear yet. It's like, Oh, stop. You know, like it, it's just funny. I, I find the whole marketing thing interesting. I mean, you've got to market somebody everywhere. Like today I saw a, a porg uh it's like a coffee cup with a big yeah. spoon a spoon on the side it's a porg <laughs> head and there's a spoon in the handle i was like yeah total soup soup mug you know like there's so many different like you know you've got the waffle makers that there's so many different ways to uh market star wars i mean it's like marketing gold you know for any 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 product like a lounge fly for the purses and the backpacks and uh the wallets and whatnot for the ladies and then you've got you know um uh her universe with all the clothes and then you've got other companies with t-shirts and clothes. I mean, be between the clothes, purses, I mean, the, you know, kitchenware, toys, bedding, uh, bathroom products. There is, no, <laughs> you know, there is nothing that you cannot make into Star Wars. Underwear, you know, yeah. like. Well, they've I, done the same thing with Marvel. I mean, it's. Yes, it's, exactly. Yeah. The merchandising today for any film franchise is just in, enormous. I mean. I mean, the big ones really is Star Wars, DC, Marvel, uh, Star Trek. Um, you know, those are probably the top four, and and yeah. they're they're everywhere. Every kind of product you can think. I mean, I have a I have a USS Enterprise pizza cutter. You know, so it's like they make anything out of those four franchises. You can get just about anything. You know, and and when being in um where I went yesterday, I went to Half Price Books again. And um, I was just walking down the aisle of the Star Wars books, and you have 
thumb on one end and you have the paper. There was all the hardbacks on one end and then the paperbacks were on the other side. But near them were the Star Trek books and all these. And I'm just sitting there looking at these going, there is so much more beyond. And now I never read Star Wars books growing up. I just saw the movies. It just yeah. didn't go beyond there. And I'm just sitting there staring. And I, I knew a guy in college who had read all the Star Wars books, comics. Like, he used to tell me all about them. So I knew they existed. But, you know, I'm just standing there. And in standing there, I was like, you know, I said, there is so much more beyond. I know some of it wasn't canon. Some of it is canon. But there's so much more beyond somebody's imagination world that you can go with all these um with all these stories and there was a guy there and I picked up one of the Star Wars books and it was a uh, for 5 bucks a first first edition of the third printing of it I can't remember the name of the book but it was it was supposed to take place right after Empire it was about Vader but I was like, and it was so old. Like it was in, and it, it was for five bucks. It was in the plastic wrapping huh? because it was used, you know, yeah. and I'm just sitting there going, wow. And then you see the covers change and the books by Timothy's on. And I was just, yeah, I was just looking. Sometimes I like to go to bookstores, not to buy, but to look, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, wow, look at these. Whoa. You know, and like, as you know, half price books has everything, you know, <laughs> so yeah. You know, I some, like seeing I like seeing their little pop figures that they get that are you know because yes. they get them that are like a year or two old that, that mm -hmm. you know and and you sometimes find some gems there you they, find gold they, it's good and they have they have a whole Harry Potter section and, yeah you know and I was just sitting there going you know and I saw books from when I was a kid and I'm just like holy cow you know like there's some yeah. that i've kept that were my favorites as a kid like my anne of green gables books and um all that and i'm just sitting there looking i just enjoyed looking oh my gosh and like you open it and it has someone's name in it <laughs> you know i was just enjoying i mean i know we're off topic because you know yeah. everything, but just the older see, the older the book is a lot of times the better the deal you'll get at half price books it's it's yeah, like i just I just loved seeing all the Star Wars books. And then up front, there was that whole, it was a whole little spinny thing that had Star Wars toys and coloring books and things on it. It was just like, you know, Star Wars is everywhere. You know? Yeah. Well, let's go into real quick, though. I want to go all the way back to your favorite scenes. I was going to say my favorite scene was the mud battle. Uh, I think it was called the planet Mimbom, where Han and meets Chewie. Yes. And then, but that, that, battle scene before Han meets Chewie when he first bumps into Beckett and the crew yes. and, and Han's commander there he's like picking up solo get moving we gotta head that way and and then that guy gets blown up like right in front of Han I was like that battle scene just sticks in my head as since Disney I was saying how Disney was going in this darker tone as far as mm -hmm. the lives of our characters not darker as in the whole film is dark but I just mean like they're not afraid of death in in these films like the originals seem to have been and it's like so I want Disney to make a war film like that I want to see this yes. trench this trench battle this like World War one or World War two style film where it's just gritty in your face battles people on people and stuff coming in equipment things stuff blowing up 
like maybe even just like what if you had a, a film like Fury where the uh, where they were all the guys that were in the tank there but it was with like an ATST or something you know it's like i don't know yes. or or an adat crew or something like that you know and it's just kind of like there could be so much something really cool is in there and it's almost like my brother said it he goes i want them to put the war in star wars yes and i loved i absolutely loved seeing um um him in that and i because i was like really that's where han learned to fly like don't ask me. I never researched where Han came from because I didn't read the books or anything. I mean, I don't know if anybody, and I was just like, wow, that's where he came from. And when he went through the gate and they go, what's your name? And he goes, Han. And they go, last name. He goes, I don't have one. I don't have a people. And, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I'm alone. And the guy goes, hmm, Han Solo. And I just laughed because you're by yourself. Yeah. Han and, Solo. and the thing is. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and they didn't need to do that. And, and like, I was talking to my brother the other night when we were playing Battlefield. And I was like, he was kind of like, that was the only part in the film that I think should have been cut out. And I was like, yeah, we do not nobody in the world like when i met you christina and found out your last name was prior i did not need to know where your last name came from right i just accepted that your name is christina prior you accepted my name was john adams you didn't ask me if i was related to the you didn't even ask if i was related to the presidents you know right, 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 right. i do sometimes get that question so yeah sometimes people do ask about the last name adams and there's no relation at all. It's actually Adamowski, but my grandparents shortened it to Adams to get a job. But it's like, um, so it, it's like not many people actually ask you about your name. So none of us, I don't think anybody was wondering where he got the name Solo. We just, we just all accepted from the beginning. And that his name that was, was Han Solo. Just his name. You know, and in the Star Wars universe, Solo doesn't, as a last name, doesn't mean alone or one or by yourself, you know. So we didn't need to have him be like, that was a made up name. So now what it leaves is like, this is the other problem with it. So first off, they didn't need to do that. But now that they did do that, it makes you think, wait a minute. So Han's real last name isn't Solo. It's something else. Which means that he could be related to anyone we've ever seen in the in the Star Wars universe, and those could right. be his real parents. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, wait a minute, are they like, you know, are they trying to set up something where he's like this lost prince, like in Spaceballs? You know, <laughs> like, right? You know what I mean? Like he's gonna have a different last name, and someday we're gonna find out who Han Solo really is. He's like Han Albuquerque, or he could be Han Skywalker, or he could be Han Windu. You know, who knows? You know, right? Exactly. You're just sitting there like Han. Okay, Solo. It's like what? You know, it's just like Ray. Ray, who? You know what I mean? And I feel, yeah, you know, we don't question it, but it's everybody, you know, as we had it answered in The Last Jedi, everybody wanted Ray to be a somebody. 
in the fact that she's not, you know. And it's like, because there's always been Obi-Wan Kenobi. There was Qui-Gon Jinn. There was Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker. I know Princess Leia was, uh, Princess Leia Organa. You know what I mean? Everybody had a last name. <laughs> you know, but like you come up in Han Solo. I mean, you know, and now there's just Ray. You know, so I think everybody, when I thought about it, you know, everybody wanted her to, like, when they asked Han, who are your people? Where are you? Where do you come from? You know, it's like the same question can apply to Ray. Who are your people? Where do you come from? She didn't know where she came from. And then Ben tells her, oh, you don't really come from anybody important. You're nobody important. You know what I mean? And you're just like, well, that was a letdown. But <laughs> you know what I mean? But if Han Solo can do it, so can Ray. Because I felt like, I honestly felt like there was some kind of kindred connection between them. There was something there. And so... Um, well, I, I think this, I think Solo kind of shows the something there. There was, yes. there's the connection to the street rat kind of thing. And, yes. and she grew up alone on the streets in, in that village of Jakku, you know, or whatever. And uh, I think that Han saw that in her. Now that we've seen Solo, you can kind of look back at, at Force Awakens and, the, and stuff and just realize that Maybe that's what the connection was. He was seeing this smart person that wanted to explore the stars, which is how he was when he was younger. When he was exactly. her age, he was that same way. And he was a street rat who was living on the streets of Corellia and doing whatever he could to get by. But he longed for something more. And that's <laughs> what that's what Ray is also. So it was a kindred spirit in that yeah. Han saw in Ray. I love, I loved, I loved that. You know what I mean? Because there was that that connection. I think that will be a great way for me to start my uh, my uh, summer break is <laughs> to uh, watch binge watch all the Star Wars movies. I don't know about the prequels, but you know. Oh, I I tried to watch them again the other day, and here's my thing. So when I rank a Star Wars movie, we were talking about rankings earlier, and when I before we get going tonight, Christina, so like. And everybody out there listening, I want you to know this is how I rank a movie, okay? If there's a spot in the Star Wars film that I want to fast forward through or skip, it gets lower on my ranking. So my absolute favorite film is Empire Strikes Back because there's nothing in that movie that I want to skip. I enjoy every single scene 100%. And then my second favorite film is Star Wars, the original and mm -hmm. part of it is the nostalgia, you know, that, that also takes into place on these. But my third favorite film is Rogue One because also there's nothing I want to skip. And I right. thought it was a gem of a movie. And the reason it comes before Return of the Jedi, which is what I, I think shocks a lot of people, because people my age, people in their 40s, they generally put Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi all in the top three, and then the other movies come. If you look at almost anybody's list, that's how they have it. And I think a lot of it is just because they're being overwhelmed by the nostalgia. But I, there are parts in Jabba's scene, especially the musical number, that I want to skip over when I'm watching it. And then mm. there are parts with the Ewoks and stuff, not necessarily with the Ewoks, but parts on 
Endor, the moon, the forest moon, that I want to skip over and get to the, I want to get to the battle faster, you know? Right. I don't want to, I don't want to listen to Luke and Leia talking. I don't want to listen to like how they bump into the Ewoks. I want, I want to just go right to the battle and then I watch it from there. So since there's two spots, even if they're short that I skip over in Jedi, then that means I didn't enjoy the, the the whole film isn't a hundred percent for me. And then force awakens was great, but I skip over the scene on the, on the ship where they get attacked by those roly poly slug monsters with the tentacles. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a scene that I skip almost every time I watch it. So force awakens gets knocked down under Jedi and down the list. But the but I gotta say the last Jedi. Now I can see I understand from watching all the movies as a whole. I understand why the last Jedi doesn't fit in with the Star Wars universe that much. For one, it's not moving us from planet to planet to planet. Most Star Wars films have at least three planets, three locations, uh, and and like three different sort of things going on. You know what I mean? There was the job of the hut scene. There was the stuff on the, on Dagobah in, in Jedi, you know, there was the stuff on Endor and around the moon and that battle scene at the end, there's three locations, you know, but, and that happens in all of them. You know, you've got Hoth, you've got Dagobah, you've got Bespin for Empire Strikes Back, you know, but it's like the last Jedi didn't have that. So it's a different kind of Star Wars movie, you know? I mean, even Rogue One, you had, you know, Jedha, you had Scarif, you know? It's like you had these different settings in this world building and and different planets and systems and various spots that you saw throughout the film. But for for all that stuff that Last Jedi lacks, it still does not have a single scene that I want to skip. When I watch mm-hmm. that movie, I watch it in the entirety from beginning to end. There's nothing that I want to skip. So, and I enjoy the whole film. So it goes, it moves up on my scale because there's nothing in it I want to skip, you know? <laughs> and so it's like the four movies that I don't skip anything in that have been put out so far have been Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, Rogue One and The Last Jedi. And now it's Solo. I've now seen, today was the fifth time, number five, that I saw Solo in the theater. Oh, oh wow. And and there's still, there's not a moment where I'm sitting there this fifth time going, I want to skip that. So I don't think there's going to be anything in, in future viewings that I want to skip. But when you get to the prequels, now here's the bad thing. Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, those two films are so bad that almost, like, I watched the beginning of Phantom Menace, and then I skipped the entire stuff on Tatooine, all the pod racing, everything, until we get back to Naboo, and they do the Darth Maul stuff at the end. I do not care about a majority of that entire movie, you know? So that's on the bottom of my list, you know? And it's it's right down there with the holiday special because 
there's only a couple scenes in the holiday special, like the stuff with the Wookiees and watching the Boba Fett cartoon is what I watch with the holiday special. Everything right. else I skip. So I'm like, that means Phantom Menace and the holiday special are pretty equal, and they're at the bottom of my list. That's how bad the Phantom Menace is. <laughs> right, and I think a lot, in talking with a lot of people, and I think in conversations that we've had with other guests and whatnot, that said that... The prequel, those three movies could have been condensed into one. Like with yeah. all that information, how sometimes they, in Star Wars films, they go three years later or blah, blah, blah. Or that could have happened. We didn't need, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, I know they were setting up to tell the story about how Anakin met Amidala and blah, 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 blah. But seriously, that could have been one whole movie. But and, um, and the whole thing doesn't make any sense because here's the deal, all right? Think about, like, your life and how gross this is, this concept is, okay? So you're going to meet, when I meet my when I meet somebody, I'm not even going to just say a friend or relative, okay? When I meet somebody and they introduce me to their kids, okay? And I'm even even if even when I was a teenager, okay? Even when I was a teenager and I went over to my friends' houses and they and they introduced me to their younger brother or younger sister, all right? And I so I met the person when they were 4 or 5 years old, all right? So I'm I'm a teenager hanging out with my friend Jack or whatever, and Jack I go over to his house. He introduced me to his mom. We made peanut butter sandwiches. They introduced me to their younger sister and their younger brother who are like five years old and four years old. Okay, when I see those people today, even though I was like twelve, thirteen years old, and she was five, four, whatever you want to say, four years old. Okay, I. Still, when I look at that person now being 40 years old and I look at her and she's like 37 or something, somewhere in the back of my mind, I have the impression, I have the imagination of seeing her as a four-year-old kid. So there is absolutely no, not a single amount of attraction, nothing in my mind but seeing this little tiny kid when I look at that person. Right. And maybe I'm the weird one. Maybe that's just something that everybody else can get past that and see the adult that's standing before them. And that doesn't matter. But somehow in my head, I have the impression of when I first met somebody still there. And it so there's no way I could get involved with that person. So I'm thinking this whole time that since Padme met Anakin when he was a baby, basically... <laughs> I can't see her being later on attracted to him and and having a child. That just seems like gross somehow. <laughs> they should have been like the same age, you know? <laughs> do, you, do, yeah. do, you, do you feel that way or am I just totally off no, here? No, 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 no. Like when he was like... He, you can tell that he liked her like a little boy likes a girl and thinks she's pretty and she's 14 or 15. And But, you know, when they become older, you know, you're just sitting there going, well, obviously they don't look, the age different is, difference isn't there anymore. But when they first meet, it kind of, you know, like weirds you out a little bit. You're like, wow, that's interesting. But... In all guys versus girls, it explains Anakin's maturity level because, in theory, 
guys are less mature than girls around that rough age. So it just, it doesn't defy the whole, I don't know. It just, it's a story. I know they needed to tell us where Vader came from, but I kind of wish they hadn't done it in that way, but it is what it is. And yeah. We'll yeah. just we'll just we'll leave it at that. And then Attack of the Clones, like the whole I just want to get to the end where they're on Geonosis. It's like the whole build up like doesn't make any sense to me. I don't like the thing where they go off and he's like, I don't like sand. You know? <laughs> like it's just and then rolling around in the in the grass with those giant fleas. I'm like, this is just there's no chemistry between those two characters. You don't get a sense of that they're falling in love. You just get a sense that they're acting. It's it's just it's just it's so bad. Like I just can't get over how awful a lot of those scenes are. And again, yeah, I agree. It's a movie that I skip most of it. And then you get to Revenge of the Sith. And I love the opening. That that battle in the beginning is really cool. I wish there was more fighting and more battle in that scene than just following, huh, or following uh, Obi Wan and Anakin while they deal with Buzz droids. I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't want to see. This is like stupid. They should be fighting droid ships and stuff. And you know what I mean? Like, why didn't they just send them on a? a mission where they're taking out like entire waves of ships and stuff and actually do like a battle in that part and not just have them flying through the battle while they're dealing with these roundy robots. Right. I don't know. It was just kind of a weird thing, but, but anyways, I, I enjoy that beginning part for what it is. And then again, I enjoy the ending where they get into the whole thing where with uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan fighting at the end. But again, the ending doesn't make any sense because there's nothing, there's really, when you watch that movie, there's really nothing that pushes Anakin over the edge to become Darth Vader. Like, right. any one of us, anyone in that situation would not do a complete 180 flip. Like, in one scene, he's so good and will not harm any children and do anything. Like, not good children. Yeah, he hurt the, he killed the, um the Tuscan Raiders, all the women and children, but they harmed someone he loved. They harmed his wife or his mom. Sorry. Right. But the Jedi didn't harm Padme. So he has no drive. He has no reason to turn on the Jedi. They didn't do anything to him. You know, it, it's like, and all of a sudden he goes in and kills all the children Right. It's like it like it makes absolutely no sense. There's no they don't give you an explanation in the movies as to why he made that switch as to what the, what clicked in his head that made him do that. They you don't know? let you understand it like all the other films yeah. that came, you know, before it and hence after it you've understood what driven drove a character. Uh, they did not do that with his character. Not at all. So, so, so I really think that still needs to be addressed. They need to do something. There is there is a hint. There there is a a feeling while you're watching the film of like Obi-Wan and Anakin going off on separate missions and I think we're supposed to look at it as a period of time has passed where Anakin is on his own, not with Obi-Wan. 
And during that period, he reflects on a lot of things that have happened in his life. Right. And somewhere in there, there's more to his turning to the dark side. But we don't get to see that on film, you know. So I think there's an area to be explored there. And, uh, you know, like, part of me almost wishes, part of me almost wishes that someone would go back. And if anything in the Star Wars universe needs a remake... And just be like, throw out the old ones and let's go with this new remake. It's the prequels. Those three yes, films. agreed. And it doesn't have to be all three. We could just do, like you said, one movie. But I think the fall of Darth Vader, the fall from Anakin to Darth Vader, that transition needs to be explored again. And, I agree. And it needs to be cleared up as to why this person would go from being someone so good to becoming so bad and it's, i mean you even you even understand why kylo ren is the way he is i mean if you can yeah. understand why kylo is the way he is then you've got to be able to understand why vader was the way how he became the way he became i mean he redeemed himself at the end but um you know you need to i mean all the other characters hence those movies have been explained on their why they doing what drives them what's their purpose it just it was just done poorly with anakin and i think yeah. uh, vader deserves as big of a presence and um, as much as people love darth vader i think he needs his due and you know that's yeah. just my thought yeah and uh, and I know there's some fan films coming out there. Star Wars Theory, if you want to look him up, he's got a fantastic idea for a Darth Vader fan film. And I think I think maybe I mean who know I don't know what he's going to do with that yet. I think he wants to show Vader in his full fury, but maybe he will touch for a moment on uh, on like the darkness that is within Vader, and we can see more of why he turned. But it's like you want to see that in an official film, not just a fan film, you know. Right. And I do highly recommend. Side note here, sort of shameless plug for Star Wars Theory, but uh, anyone out there who wants to check him out, just hit Star Wars Theory on uh, YouTube. Check out his Vader film, and I'm sure he'd appreciate the donation to to uh, get that thing made because he's got some really good ideas. And I mean, that guy's ambitious. He is going. <laughs> To, if he gets this done, it's he's really pushing it to be one of the greatest fan films of all time related to Star Wars. I, I believe that there's so many, just like the guys we uh, interviewed last, last podcast. Week, yep. Yeah, I, I I think there's just so many great great people with great ideas that I just can't wait to see. You know, I love to see what people's takes on are about yeah. all these things. And I'm glad but, a lot of the fan films shoot for 15 to 20 minutes or less because. Um, it's a fan film is not something you want to sit through for an hour and a half to two hours. And I, I, I hope everybody out there understands what I mean when, you know, the people who are making fan films and things like that, it's just, if it's not canon, unless it's done the same quality as the movies we see in the theaters, you, you don't want to sit through something that, that that's that right. long. <laughs> you know? I, I'm sorry, but you just don't, you know? I, 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 I like fan films that are 15, 20 minutes, half hour at the most, but it's like anything that's more than a half hour, I don't even usually give a chance to. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, I think we've touched on everything, right? 
I agree. We've we've done a great job. Yeah, we've been talking for over an hour, almost it's as long as an hour and a half, which is what I was saying. Don't ever do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a lot to say, and it's Star Wars, and that always happens when they're Star Wars, so that's cool. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm gonna go back and finish my nap. Thanks a lot for coming you're, on. You're, you're gonna take a nap till tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody out there in Star Wars listening land. And uh, I'm John. This is Christina. And we're out of here. Night, everybody. Or goodbye. Yeah. May the Force be with you. Always. Autobots, roll out! Oh! Hey! You've been listening to the Super Awesome Geek Show podcast. Find us on Twitter at Awesome Geek Show. And as always, thanks a lot for tagging along. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. And we'll see you next time on the Super Awesome Geek Show. Yo, Joe!